Bruins, it's time for another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast, Bears Banter, powered by the Bears blog, and Bill Zimmerman with you on a very special June podcast. And why is it a special June podcast? No, not because you get to hear my soothing pipes for the next 30 or so minutes, but because we have none other than Dick Butkus joining the program the legend number 51 hall of famer arguably the greatest defensive player of all time definitely the greatest linebacker of all time and don't tell me lawrence taylor lawrence taylor is an edge khalil mack is an edge that three four outside linebacker spot that is not the traditional linebacker spot i'm talking about traditional linebacker middle linebacker if you will you know the four three outside linebacker you want to throw them in dick Butkus, the greatest linebacker that this league has ever seen, is going to be joining the podcast. Got a lot of stuff to get into with Dick. We're going to be talking about some of the stuff that's going on with some of the veteran players from his era. We'll get into the Bears 100. We'll get into his thoughts on the Bears defense. Matt Nagy, we got so much to get to. So that's coming up here in a little bit. But before we get to the interview, got a few things I want to get off my chest. And let's start with the kicking situation, the horror story that will not go away, and that is who will be kicking for the Chicago Bears in 2019 after Cody Parkey crapped all over himself, let's just be honest, last season, and just nothing has gone right for the Chicago Bears in the kicking department, basically since Ryan Pace has taken over. The one thing he cannot get right, and he has not gotten it right here, in June, you know, the mini camps here have wrapped up and we're in a situation where the Chicago Bears have no answers at kicker. Chris blew it. Well, he blew it. He was released and that leaves two kickers on the Bears roster. I would expect the Bears to be signing another kicker very soon. All indications show that Elliot Fry may be the best kicker out of the bunch, but has not been too impressive. And Eddie Pinheiro, who they traded as conditional seventh with the Oakland Raiders, he's been a mess as far as I can hear. He He's all over the place. The accuracy is, is a major problem. He's got a big leg, so the Bears are hoping maybe they can hone in that accuracy and turn him into something here by September 1st. But that's a major problem here. They have no answers at kicker. Now, What could they possibly do? Now, a lot of people, I'm seeing a lot of buzz on social media, hearing a lot of things, Matt Bryant, why wouldn't they get Matt Bryant? Matt Bryant makes too much sense, and I get it. He's been an outstanding kicker for basically two decades. He's 44 years old, but, you know, kickers can. Adam Vinatieri, I mean, we've seen kickers that can kick well into their 40s. So if you want to put that aside, fine, but here is the problem. Bryant has been with the Falcons, a dome team, for most of his career. Before that, it was Tampa, and then he had a brief stint with the Giants at the start of his career. This guy is not familiar with cold weather. He's not familiar with conditions. Now, he's an 83% outdoor kicker lifetime, which isn't bad. It's, it's, It's solid. Of course, it's much better than what the Bears have been dealing with here the last few years. But I did a little research. Colder than 45, 44 degrees and below. Our friend Matt Bryant is 8 for 15. 
eight for 15, 53% since 2007. Now, that's not a sample size from the last couple of years. That's over a decade of cold weather he has not performed well. Is that who you want kicking at Soldier Field? It's not who I want kicking at Soldier Field. So if you put Matt Bryan out of the situation here, that leaves Robbie Gold as the only potential veteran target. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on Robbie Gold. Ryan Pace and John Lynch will have to pick up the phone and talk to each other if they want to try and hammer something out. So let's put that aside because that is not an option at present. Maybe it will be in August if Robbie Gold continues to be a thorn in the side of John Lynch. But for now, put Robbie Gold aside. So what could the Bears do? Now, let's say you want to scrap it with Fry and Pinheiro. I don't think they're going to get rid of Pinheiro. Doesn't seem like they're getting rid of Fry. But let's say you want to scrap it. They, they scrapped it with Blewett. Let's say you want three kickers coming in to training camp. Well, here's the three kickers I would go with, if you care. I would bring back Casey Bednarski. Yes, the enthusiastic backflipper that we saw during opening kicking tryouts. He had, you know, quite a performance. He, he struggled a little bit early, but he really came on strong. He's got a huge leg. Let's get him back in there and see if they can work with him a little bit. You know, this is, this is a very raw talent. So Casey Bednarski, that's the first guy I bring in. The second guy I'm bringing in is Cole Tracy, the LSU kicker, was considered pretty much universally the second best kicker in this draft class behind Matt Gay. Now, Tracy is still available. He is an, a free agent. He is not signed on with any team. Bring He has not come in at all for a Chicago Bears tryout. I would bring in Cole Tracy and see what he has. Finally, and this is, this is the main target I would have if I was the Bears, the Baltimore Ravens have a fantastic young backup kicker in the name of Kari Vedvik. Kari Vedvik is a Norwegian. He just came over last season. He was fantastic. The Ravens originally brought him in as a punter, and as good as he looked as a punter, he looked great as a place kicker. The problem is Justin Tucker may be the best kicker in the NFL, so that doesn't leave a lot of space for any kind of you know room for Vedvik to make the roster. Now, they stashed him on the injured list last year, but now they've come to a head where they need to figure out what they're going to do with him. They think he's too talented to just try and stash on the practice squad. They think he'll get scooped up, which he would. So now do you actually keep a backup kicker when you have Justin Tucker? That seems very wasteful with a 53-man roster. So I think he's available for trade. You probably can't get him for a seventh. It probably needs to be a six-round pick if I'm Ryan Pace. Pull the trigger. Cut Pinheiro. That was a conditional seventh. No harm, no foul. Out he goes. Bring in this kid, Vedvik. Norwegian. He's Scandinavian. He's not going to be bothered by the cold. He shouldn't be bothered by the elements. That's something he's used to dealing with constantly when growing up uh, in Scandinavia. Give the guy a shot. Big leg. Showed a lot of accuracy. That's the target for me if I'm the Chicago Bears. And nothing else. I would not look at Matt Bryant. They clearly haven't gotten it right with the UDFAs. Vedvik is the guy I would go with. Now, I have one other thing I want to get off my chest here before we get to Dick Butkus. And yes, he'll be coming up here in a matter of moments. But I would like to talk about pro football focus. Yeah, pro football focus. Now, I've, I've got some issues with pro football focus. And I, I'm going to address them here because... They've become a major thorn in my side for, for personal reasons. 
And, and I will get into that here. Now, Pro Football Focus, of course, we all know Pro Football Focus. I think Pro Football Focus has done a lot of great things for the NFL. A lot of interesting ways to look at numbers, a lot of new statistics that really give you a, a better idea about how players are performing. But the one other thing they do, which is where I'm going to focus here, is the grades. They love the grades. They push their grades. They talk about how wonderful their grades are. The NFL even tweets out top PFF grades for week seven or week eight, whatever it might be. I mean, there's a lot. I know Chris Collinsworth's tied in with PFF, so he's got that, that right there. But there's a lot tied in with these grades like they are, are law. Now, here's the problem. PFF likes to consider their grades basically a statistic. They, they use it in analytics, in, in cross-comparing their grades versus, you know, how players are passing and completions and, 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 and drops, all, all these different things for receivers and quarterbacks, running backs. They use the grades in a lot of their analytical work. And now here's the problem. Grades, PFF grades, they're not analytical. They're not statistics. It's an opinion. It's a numerical value attached to an opinion. And that's it. And that's fine. They can use that as a tool and say, hey, this is how we see Adrian Amos performing this year. We think he's performing at a 91 clip, whatever it might be. Great. PFF, if they took their grades for what it's worth, I'd have no problem with it. But they want to think that their grades are law, that they are an analytical statistic. That is, that, that is just not what it is. And it drives me nuts. And the problem, multiple problems, the problem is they're not transparent about any of this. And if you try and engage any of their analysts on Twitter, they will attack you. They will question your intelligence. They are rude. They are just basically Twitter trolls with a blue check mark a lot of them. It is ridiculous how they treat fans. Now, those grades are not, you know, if fans don't follow the methodology closely enough, they don't realize how much, honestly, trash those grades are. For, for example, how they come up with this number, and they'll, they'll never tell you their formula or whatever, but they have, they have a, someone who watches the game tape, and he, get, he grades each play for the player, a positive play, a neutral play, or a negative play. And then they, they add it up basically at the end. They've got their formula. They crunch it in, and bam, 77 is your, your grade for the game. And, of course, then they build it up throughout the course of the season, and that's how they come to their final season grades. Now, how can they call their grades what they think they are, basically law, and not admit the inherent bias in these grades? Positive, neutral, negative plays. Well, a lot of times, it's not clear. Was that a neutral play or was that a negative play? Was that a neutral play or was that a positive play? There will be bias in determining how well a player performed. The other problem is, they don't have the playbook. They may grade an offensive lineman a negative play saying he missed that block. That may not have been his assignment. They don't know because they don't have the playbook. So they're taking guesses as to what a player's assignment would be. And I'm sure they're right 90% of the time. But that 10% affects the grade. The bias affects the grade. For example, Khalil Mack, if he kind of doesn't do much on a play, they'll probably grade that a neutral play. But a lesser edge player, if they don't do much, like, oh, they could have done more. They may grade that a negative play. The inherent bias of knowing that that's Khalil Mack you're watching. 
not just number 52. They can't block that out. You know who you're watching. So there's a bias there, which brings me to transparency. Now, I'm going to bring up Kyle Fuller from 2017 because I used to subscribe to their grades. I don't anymore. I have realized what those grades are. Kyle Fuller, I bring up because if you recall, going into the 2017 season, we all thought Kyle Fuller was trash. Admit it. He had a bad 2015. He was injured for 2016. A lot of people wanted him traded or gone in the, in the preseason. But sure enough, he makes the roster. People thought he was going to back up. But Kyle Fuller works his way into the starting lineup for the Chicago Bears defense. And people start watching Kyle Fuller play in September and October. Go, you know what? Kyle Fuller, he, he looks excellent. Kyle Fuller, pending free agent, he needs to be brought back. Kyle Fuller is something special. Now, that conversation had really started to percolate the first couple months. But through eight games, Pro Football Focus thought Kyle Fuller's grade was worthy of a 48. A 48! That's ridiculous. Now, I actually took a screenshot to use that for an article or a tweet. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I had a screenshot of the 48. Why is that important? It's important because if you subscribe to these grades, all you get is where their grade is currently. You can't find individual grades for individual weeks. You can't find out where a guy's season grade was after week five, if it's week nine, to see if maybe his grade is trending up, trending down. None of that exists. All that exists is what their current grade is. So what's interesting about that is I had that screenshot of Kyle Fuller as a 48 through eight weeks. You know what Kyle Fuller's grade was after 17 weeks when maybe Pro Football Focus woke up and said, well, Kyle Fuller's having a heck of a year. We look like a bunch of horses' asses with our grade the way it is. 84! 84 after 16 games, 48 after eight games. Let's do a little simple math. Let's say Kyle Fuller got a 100. Those final eight games, he was perfect. Didn't make a mistake. Do the average, 74. Doesn't add up, 84. That's why it's not transparent. Because if they need to course correct in the season, they'll do it. Mitch Trubisky. Anyone with half a brain that watched Mitch Trubisky as a rookie and Mitch Trubisky last year, forget the stats. Obviously, the stats improved. If you watched him play football, you saw a significantly better quarterback. You want to criticize him? Fine. Accuracies inconsistent? Fine. Maybe some decisions are poor? Fine. The kid's developing. I don't mind if you're going to criticize him. But pro football focus, the way they graded him, felt he played better as a rookie than he did as a second-year player. That is foolish foolish. I, in fact, I engaged Sam Monson, one of their analysts, about it and said, how is Mitch Trubisky a 75 as a rookie and a 63 as a second-year player? You know what he tells me? Oh, well, that's not accurate. We actually changed quarterback grades as a whole. We shifted them down for a better accurate analysis, cross-positional analysis of quarterbacks to other positions. So he said, oh, okay. So he was a 66 as a rookie and a 63 second-year player. Much closer, but they still say he was better as a rookie. But here's the other problem. You're saying you adjusted every quarterback's grade? Yeah, from 2007 and prior. Or I'm sorry, 2017 and prior. They took every quarterback's grade and adjusted it down. So anytime you saw pro football focus 
doing cross-positional analysis, which is a big part of why they do these grades. So you can say that, you know, Alvin Kamara had an 83 and Le'Veon Bell had an 87 and therefore Bell had a better year even if Kamara had better stats. Whatever it might be. But I'm sorry, that's a bad example. They're both running backs. So Alvin Kamara gets an 83, Julio Jones gets an 87. So you can't really compare stats, but they're going to say Julio Jones had a better season. Fine, great, okay. If you're adjusting every quarterback's grade from 2017 and prior, every cross-positional analysis you've ever done, you're throwing out the window. Say, oh, sorry, uh, what we were grading as quarterbacks, we were too generous. So don't, don't, don't mind any of that. We've adjusted everything. I mean... The, you, the, the, I, I'm speechless. I am speechless that they would just do that. that and they think their grades are, are, are basically stats that they think they should be used in analytics. Are you kidding me? You, you see the problem with that in terms of a data gather, data collection. They, they just changed every quarterback's grade. Just ridiculous. So what did I do? I wrote an article. I also write for Fansided, for those of you who know, did write for Fansided, because I wrote an article about Pro Football Focus's grades, and I exposed them for what they are. And what did Fansided do when they saw that? They canned me. Now, I think they were trying to get rid of me for months upon months. I'm not going to get into that here. But they said that that was an unfair attack on pro football focus. Is anything I said in the last few minutes here an unfair attack on pro football focus? I don't see it that way. You know what I see it as? I see it as arguments against what they're doing with facts to back it up. With facts to back it up. I can throw statistics at you to show you why Mitch Trubisky was a better quarterback year two to year one, but I don't need to do that because you actually watched football and you saw how much better he was. I can show you the math on why the Kyle Fuller grade is ridiculous. There's other things. There's plenty of other loopholes in these grades I can talk to you about. I showed you how the lack of transparency and why would there be a lack of transparency? Why not give us more information? People are paying pro football focus for that information. And they don't, they're not transparent about it. They don't give you all the grades. No, 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 no. The only way if you wanted week-to-week grades, you'd have to screenshot or take down every grade of every player. No one's going to do that. So pro football focus and fan-sided, you can both, you know what. So let's put that aside because I am excited to bring in my guest. This, now I've had a chance to talk to a lot of great Chicago Bears on this podcast. Mike Singletary comes to mind. A lot of the great current guys here, Mitch Trubisky, Tariq Cohen, Kyle Long, had a lot, a lot of great, Akeem Hicks, a lot of great players on this podcast. But to bring in Dick Butkus and have him on the podcast, that is exciting. And that is exactly what we are going to do right now. Dick, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Bill Zimmerman, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing good. Doing good. Very good to hear. Now, let, let's start here. Let's start with the, the Bears 100 celebration. Obviously, the NFL's got its 100th year. Bears, one of the charter franchises. And the Bears had a huge convention. Basically, any living bear, past or present, that was worth except Erlocker couldn't be there. But everyone was there. What, what was that like partaking in such an event? Well, it was, uh, you know, it was really neat because, you know, I don't live in Chicago and I uh, had an opportunity to see a lot of the guys that came from out of town, actually. And uh, Bears did a a great job. When I pulled up to that um, 
to the building. I mean, they were lined up, I don't know, six across, and it was a couple blocks long, the line. Um, you know, just a tribute to the fans of Chicago. But uh, the first night, Friday night, we just all gathered and were all introduced to the crowds, and then we had a lot of time to, to spend and kibitzing with even the, the Coach Nagy brought the – the current team there, so it was good to see them young guys and let them see some of our, these old guys. <laughs> uh, met a few guys, and uh, you know, and unfortunately, a couple of them, you know, weren't, weren't faring too well health-wise. Uh, one being Gail Sayers. I, uh, he's, you know, he's, uh, he's he was in a wheelchair, and it was just uh, very sad to see him in uh, the state that he's been in, and you know, that's. I don't know. That's the way it goes. Uh, but but all in all, it was it was pretty neat. Everybody was there that they could uh, round up because uh, I was talking to George McCaskey, the chairman of the Bears, and he was saying that their rough rough estimate of sixteen hundred players or ex Bear players around. But the problem is is that they don't have you know their information to contact all of them, and so. Uh, other than that, there were, oh, I don't know, 100, 150 maybe players uh, that came. Uh, so that was it was a very good turnout, and fans really enjoyed it, and they had all kinds of um, panels, uh, guys talking about the great 85 team, the Super Bowl year, and all that stuff. So it was a, it was a pretty nice deal for the fans and, and for the players. Yeah, it really, really seemed like a great, great event. I, here in New York was one of those things I couldn't be there. Wish, wish I could have been. But, um, you know, you, you brought up the 85 Bears. And, and, and let me ask you, we'll, we'll get to fair in a second. You brought up Gail Sayers, and, and it's, it's, it's awful what he's, what he's going through right now. And I really want to dive into that. But you, you bring up the 85 Bears, who have really, especially from a football perspective, they've owned the city of Chicago for the last 30 years with the, the personalities and the swagger. And, of course, Ditka being the, the, the face of that team and everything. Thing. But this current Bears team, you know, they've got a lot of personality. Matt Nagy has them playing a lot loose. They have the fun with the celebrations and all this stuff. Could you see if the Bears have that kind of level of success, could we finally kind of see maybe a new team take the forefront of, of Bears and, and the legacy of the Bears? Ooh. <laughs> That's going to be a tough one because – the simple fact of all the Hall of Famers that are coming, uh, you know, that are coming off that 85 team. But I, I will say this, that um, just like anything else, um, people tend to forget, uh, and uh, they usually go with the current thing. I, I uh, addressed the team um, at, at their practice. I, uh, we awarded uh, uh, Cleo Mack uh, the Butkus Linebacker Pro Award, and uh, I tell you what, I, I I stood in front of the team, and it just seemed I had every pair of eyes uh, paying attention. Uh, you know, I would have thought some guys would be lollygalling around in the background or whatever. Who wants to hear this old guy talk? <laughs> but they were very attentive, and I, I commented, I comment on that to Coach Nagy. I said, you know, you you, you know it. it it represents, you know, what you're doing as a head coach. I mean, you really got their attention. Uh, they're a classy bunch of guys, and, uh, you know, they, they want to win. And 
I was talking to one of the linebacker coaches. I said, you know, looking at that schedule you guys got, man, it's it's a tough schedule. No, you're not going to sneak up on anybody. And he said, you know something, that's all right. We just as soon play the play the guys during the season because when we get in the playoffs, it'll be a lot easier. <laughs> so I like his confidence. Yeah, that's that, that's a good way to put it. And 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 you're right. That's 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 great of of the guys. And Nagy, look, you you know, you're an all time great. And when you speak, the the players should listen. It's great that Nagy's Nagy's got their attention. And, and, and understands the magnitude of that. But you you talk about Khalil Mack and, and the Buckus Award he got. And, you know, from from you watching the Bears at all last year, what what is it that someone like Mack that has that type of impact on a team and has the offense has to focus on him so much, what does he do that bring that elevates, you know, the other well, ten it, players it, around? It's it's without doubt, I think, is his his damn desire. I mean if you recall that very first game against Green Bay, there was a long touchdown uh, pass and run that the Packers had. And on TV, you know, I'm watching on TV, and here comes this 52. I mean, he was about five yards behind the, the, the outside, the, the receiver going in the score. But I'm like, wow, man, that. That guy's a linebacker, and who knows if he was rushing the uh, you know Aaron Rodgers or was he in pass defense? But how in the hell did he get down to the goal line so fast? <laughs> and that, and talking to you know the various coaches and and uh, George McCaskey, and that they just said this guy is so infectious with the desire to make every play and do everything right and practice hard. It's, it's, you know what, the Bears, you know, have always been known to be cheap, but, but the money, they couldn't pay enough for this guy. The, the, the results that came from acquiring Cleo Mack and what it did for defense, not only the defense, but also the offense, uh, is unbelievable. I mean, I, I don't, I, I couldn't tell you, I couldn't think of any more uh, a trade that had a greater impact on a team than uh, Cleo Mack. I, I completely He's agree. Unbelievable. Yeah, he he really made an impact and just elevated that defense. That defense played at an elite level last year, and it was what he brought to the table and and, and all that. Not on, on multiple aspects, not just on the field, but as in leadership and like you said, that motor that just doesn't quit. So right. Uh, now, now I, you know he's an I know he linebacker by title, but you know he's an edge. He's a pass rusher. You know, in that three right. four defense. You know, the the Rushmore of of linebackers for the Bears is you know Bill George, Dick Buckus, Mike Singletary, Brian Urlacher. Yeah, and, and you know you only get four names on Rushmore. But do you think Roquan Smith has the type of talent that maybe one day he could make a push to have a five face Rushmore of Bears linebackers? Uh, I think so, but it, it's going to be hard with Khalil there. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know what I mean? You know, but both of them. I mean, what a guy to as a rookie have have uh, playing next to you and and watch this guy's motor. So Raquan is a heck of a nice guy. Uh, he won the college award, of course, and uh, I th- I think he's got a great future. He can really move. He hits people, and uh, he's smart. So he's got the makings. It's just uh, a matter of, you know, staying healthy and letting them perform. Now, you know, it's always difficult to kind of talk about eras and and when you played and how the game has changed and it's such a a pass-happy league now and everything. But, you know, and obviously the weight training and and, and everything that has evolved here over the last 30, 40, 50 years. But 
do you feel like the way you played now I know, I know the 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 hitting obviously that, that that's changed a lot but you know you were a great you know, a lot of interceptions great in pass coverage do you feel like your game could translate into today's game could you play in any era oh uh you know bill that's a real tough question uh, i mean the only thing i could say is when when you try to take a player that was a great player from the 60s and see how he would have played in the 80s or a 70s player in the 90 you know or exact the question you're asking i i don't know the game evolves and and you know the the people get bigger they get stronger they they're faster but then would i be stronger if I was playing today with their health program, you know, as far as nutrition and their weight training. We we never had any of that. So it was just raw practically until someone figured out, wait a minute, you know, if you if you get bigger, stronger and faster, you're going to be a better player and and uh, of course you have to have the skill to do that also to play football. So uh, that's a tough question. I don't know. I, I, you know, my my ego says, oh yeah, I could I could have played, but I, I don't know. My ego says uh, he says you could play too. So, uh, you, you know, you brought up all the weight training and everything, and and how everything's changed, and in your off season, and and trying to keep in shape and everything. Everything was a lot different. I I read something. Was it true that you used to push cars around your neighborhood to stay in shape in the off season? Is that true? Well, that was uh, yeah, that was back in my uh, high school days. Uh, I had a. 49 Plymouth, and I lived on a dead-end street there on the south side of Chicago, and uh, my buddies, all, you know, they all thought I was nuts. They, hey, yeah, I'll steer the car for you, and then I would push it, you know, just <laughs> because, the, you know, the weight training wasn't wasn't in vogue back then. I mean, I, I worked as in construction. I worked as a, a furniture mover, which was in a, in a, in a sense, some, some, you know, strength training and carrying you know, refrigerators and, and stoves up three stories and uh, three flats like in Chicago. So I, I probably was doing a little of that, but for a formal program, uh, no, that was that didn't come in until I was about ready to leave the league. Now, now you know, I, I mentioned it briefly about how things have changed in terms of safety with, with hitting and being more careful about, about the head and everything. And, and, and obviously you seeing a lot of your, your colleagues and teammates and, and you brought up Gail Sayers and some of the, the struggles they're having especially with with kind of brain and i don't know brain injuries but you know with with dementia right. and, and and neurological issues and things like that do you like the steps that the nfl's making do you think they're they're on the right track in terms of trying to protect the head better well uh i guess but 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 what's what's the bottom line you know people are you know oh geez the game is not the same they're like a bunch of girls oh you can't hit the quarterback you can't do this you can't do that well of course you can't hit the quarterback you know the quarterback is the whoop de doo guy i mean people come to watch him they don't come to see some schmuck lineman <laughs> uh so you gotta you gotta protect the guy as best you can because it's a it's a valuable position and uh, you know, not only because of who they play, but what they're they're making, uh, and rightfully so, they're they're the guys. So the rules, I guess they're you know they're trying to to do it. I mean, uh, you know, some of us veterans at at the Bear Weekend were talking like, geez, if we had the practice schedule like they have today, we'd play for 20 years for crying out loud. <laughs> we used to hit and scrimmage sure. every day. You know, our training camp was six weeks. 
of of constant scrimmaging and everything else. So, uh, and, and and you know, and plus we had off season jobs. Uh, so these guys today, uh, like I told them, I said, you you guys don't know how lucky you really are. Yeah, you absolutely. should cherish, you know, what you got. A- absolutely. So you know, talking about player safety and and everything, and I don't think a lot of fans truly grasp the 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 state of of a lot of the older players you know that and and some of the the struggles they have with health and everything after putting their bodies through everything at the NFL I know you you're doing a lot here with fair to try and get older players more more retirement benefits from the NFL what can can you explain a little bit about what you know when you retire now versus when you retire in 1973 and and what the NFL provides and doesn't provide and what it should be providing for for the older players who lay the foundation well what what's happening in uh, in 2021 is the new collective bargaining agreement and you know from uh pre 93 retirees um you know that they that was before free agency after after ninety three, uh, free agency came. The salaries skyrocketed. Uh, the success of the league, you know, skyrocketed, and everybody was uh, getting the benefits of of the retirement plan, such as the NFL's annuity uh, severance plan. They had health reimbursement account, but the pre ninety three guys were not able to be included. And what we're trying to do with FAIR is to get some uh, – the current uh, Players Association, have them help represent us to bring up our pension from the pre-'93 days. Uh, you know, those are, those are the guys – and isn't that ironic that here we're celebrating 100 years and everybody is getting um, – calls to do shows and everything else about the history of the league. And yet these guys that played in the earlier years are not, are not treated fairly. You know, we want pension parity and you know, the, the pre 93 people are not getting the same as the post 93 players are. And that's all it is. And, and the problem is, is that pre 93 players don't have any representation at this collective bargaining agreement that's coming up. I mean, we were told, oh, we'll be taken care of, we'll be taken care of, you'll, you know, whatever. Every other league, I mean, had, are about three times uh, more for their players at the same years in 93, pre-93. Uh, Major League Baseball, hockey, and uh, basketball all have, have the, these plan, plans. And, you know, that's, you know, we're, we're just trying to get some help, you know, and then they say, well, you know, there are dental plans and all these different plans for retirees, but who's going to pay the rent when you're making $500 or living on a $500 pension? Come on. I mean, it's only fair that these players who started it off, and I'll, I'll end with this, I, a sad case. I was talking to Gail Sears about three or four years ago, and he was talking to a current running back at the time. And Jim Brown's name came up, and this young player, a running back, said, who's Jim Brown? So you can see our our frustration with the current players that they're not, you know, who's – you know who's uh, who's Joe Namath? Who's you know all you old guys? Who's Bart Starr? We don't you know they don't even know, 
and this is what FAIR is all about. We're trying to get that out in front of these current players that, hey, if it wasn't for those guys ahead of you, you would be nowhere near making the kind of money and the pensions that you have today. Yeah, That's you guys laid the foundation. Did you, did, you say, did you say $500 pension? I was talking to a player. Uh, yeah, uh, he was... Um, I don't want to give his name, but he played for the Vikings. I mean, he yeah, no, you don't have to give five hundred dollars. Yeah, that's that, that doesn't. I mean, because and like you said, I mean, the the healthcare and 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 the safety and the measurements they're bringing in now, which hopefully will you know extend health well into people's fifties, sixties, seventies, and eighties. You know that 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 wasn't there then. So when you're you're seeing someone like Gail Sears struggling with dementia, and I know there's there's things with with him and and with other players that are having these issues where they're having to raise money because just basic needs for for healthcare and for you know maybe home healthcare with with nurses or getting into a, a retirement home, assisted living, the, these type of things for these players, they, they just can't afford it because they're just dis, the, the the billions of dollars that are rolling in now was thanks right. to the foundation that was laid in the 50s and the 60s and, and even before that. And and you're just saying there's just not that that, re, uh, you know, the uh, you know, it's just not that back and forth in terms of the, the NFLPA looking back at these guys and saying, you know, the, 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 we have to take care of these guys. We wouldn't be here without them. Right. I, see, and that's that was the problem playing back then. They they had no uh, knowledge of CTE or whatever. You know, it was, hey, you get knocked out. Hey, how many fingers are up? Get back in there and everything else. So it's, well, you know, they didn't know any better. And uh, so a lot of guys are paying for it now with their health. And and you know, it's semen e. Come on, it's it's so sad to see some of these guys that. Uh, you know, I've got some problems with my legs, and I, I, I you know, I, 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 I snap at myself for feeling sorry because when I see Gail in a wheelchair, I mean, how lucky am I? You know, so I, I know there's other guys that are, are are struggling, and you know, it's it's just it's just fairness. I mean, come on, and you're talking about maybe four thousand players. Who are dying off at a hundred and some a year? So it's it's going to run out. I mean, it's not going to take uh, very long until all of us are gone, and those pre ninety three players. So pension parity that's that we're that's what we're trying to get well I, I i think it makes it makes a lot of sense and 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 hopefully the nflpa and the nfl will sit down and and, and take care of you guys as needed and you know you you brought up the cba and everything they're they're collecting to be bargaining and not, now we're hearing something about i know you played 14 games when, when when you were playing and it's been 16 for a long time now now they're starting to rumble about 18 games not not technically more games it'd be down to two preseason games but do you like the idea of ex expanding regular season here or, or should the nfl keep it at 16 is, is that where it should be oh i just uh i uh, i just wonder about you know uh, the injuries of playing 18 games you know when i look back we played what 14 games but we played six exhibitions uh, and we usually played all of them, and so, uh, boy, you're really uh, you're really opening up yourself uh, to injuries. And I don't know. Uh, I really, you know, I really haven't thought about what what it would be better. You know, to see the game is so damn popular that they're trying to make, uh, you know, and they charge people, you know, regular. I guess they regular ticket prices for exhibition games. Uh, you know, they're four. So I guess they're just trying to make it 
feasible. Okay, we'll just add two more games and two less exhibition games. So I, I don't know. I, I have really no thoughts about either way. All right. Well, let, let me just finish up with two quick ones that are just kind of more fun. Dick Buck is joining us. Talked about a lot, a lot of serious issues. I want to try and end it on a lighter note. And I, I think a lot of people don't remember one of, one of your career highlights came on offense. Well, technically special teams catching a, a game winning. Uh, extra point uh, that that to beat the I believe it was the Washington Redskins. Is that correct? Was it the Redskins? Yep. Yes. Okay. Yep. So how how about this? How about we get Matt Nagy? You know, in all his his mad scientist formations here. How about we get a play called the Butkus, where we maybe get Khalil Mack in the back of the end zone in an extra point or a touchdown, and and we play homage to Dick Butkus. How, how's there that for go. a play? There we go. <laughs> and and, and that, you know, uh, Dick did it with the fridge. Absolutely. So. <laughs> and you know, Akeem Hicks scored a touchdown last year, so let's let's get a linebacker in the end zone and call it the Butkus. But there you go. B- before I let you go, uh, I want to talk about your acting just for a second, because you know you did a lot of a lot of fun things. You know, for me, kind of when I was in in college and, and in that kind of that prime, you know, Necessary Roughness was one of those fun movies for me. You had the uh, the great cameo there with the with the prison team. You know, what, yep. what was it about acting? That, that, that you enjoyed so much? Well, I, uh, you know, I started out doing a bunch of commercials out in Chicago, and I never really thought much about it. But then along came the, the Miller Lite commercials, and then they hooked me up with uh, Bubba Smith, and we were doing a number of them. And then we started getting calls um, out here in California to, you know, start being guests on different shows. And then we had a couple shows, and I just, you know, we just ran with it. And, uh, uh, you know, I I, I was kind of leery about it because, oh, geez, I thought you had to go to drama school for four years and, you know, and be a waiter and do side jobs uh, until you reached, uh, uh, you know, uh, you were able to be on a regular on a TV show. But things just started happening, and, uh, you know, I don't know, I was pretty lucky, and uh, I got into it pretty good. I, I, I enjoyed doing it, and... Um, you know, and I, I, I was commuting at the time, and then I finally just decided to move out here and give it a shot. And uh, uh, I don't know how many. I'm, I, I know I've done over 500 commercials. Oh and, wow! You know, whatever shows and everything else, but uh, I kind of sneaked in there, and and uh, but it was fun. It was fun doing it with Bubba. We had a lot of fun doing those. Yeah, you're bringing shows. back memories with those Miller Light ads. Those were those were great. Yeah. Those were a blast. They were classics. They they they. they they would be apropos even to this day. Absolutely. I don't know why they ever changed it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, you you have a constant influx of guys retiring, so you'd never run out of talent. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Absolutely. But, yeah, I'll always remember you sitting there with your helmet. I don't know how well you remember your cameo, but as loyal Armadillo fans, you know, please take the ball. You know, this is your field. Please take the ball. I, I love it. It was eloquent and well-spoken, and you're sitting there in a, a prison uniform. It was it was a, a riot. So, yeah. uh, Dick, really appreciate the time. And, again, fair uh, is what you're uh, discussing today and trying to get nineteen pre-1993 football players, the, the pensions and the, and the care they deserve. It's it's a great cause, and I hope the NFL and NFLPA come through for you guys. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, and, and we'll talk to you again soon. Okay, thanks. Take care, Bill. Well, there he is, folks. The legend, number 51, Dick Buckus. That, that was a real treat for me. I hope you enjoyed it. 
because I certainly did. So now this has been a bit of a lengthy podcast, and I, I apologize for the length. I hope you stuck with it. I hope uh, you enjoyed it as much as I did. So we're, we're going to work in some more podcasts now between now and training camp. We're going to get some interviews on for you. Going to have plenty to talk about with the Bears still moving forward. You know, a lot of great things about this team, but a lot of question marks here, starting off with the kicker. Hopefully Ryan Pace can figure that out, because if he goes into training camp with this muck, there's not going to be a lot of confidence in, in the Chicago Bears special teams in 2019. So that's going to do it for Bears banter. Bill Zimmerman here signing off. We'll talk to you next time, everybody. Bear down. Bear down.